0: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
1: KMOX and your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Now, Mike Miller on KMOX.
2: Yes, folks, welcome and thanks for stopping by. I'm going to be talking to Mr. Kelly for just a few seconds. Brian, over there. You live in a rural area, right? Yes. And how are the trees doing as far as holding on to the foliage?
3: Actually, I tweeted out yesterday a picture from the front yard, and we have a couple of trees that are just gorgeous right now. They're really bright yellow, and there's one in the front yard, so when the sun rises in the back, it reflects off it, and it brings all that yellow light into the living room, Whoa. and it's beautiful. Yeah, and, and there's a lot of leaves on the ground already, too, and so sure. the, the ground is yellow, and the tree is yellow. Man. And now there are other ones that have gotten a little dull, but there are some that are still very pretty.
2: But uh, and another thing related to weather besides trees, I mm-hmm. uh, what was a it, Tuesday, it's not even going to get above freezing.
3: 26.
2: So is your house all winterized and everything? We'll
3: find out, won't we? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's the test is coming for sure right Uh a
2: day with we're not even getting above freezing. That's insane
3: It is insane this time of year. Yeah Yeah.
2: I think normally the highs are usually about what they're supposed to be today, you know, fifty, upper
3: 50s and lower 60s Mm Mm-hmm bundle up. I'm just I'm just glad I'm off Tuesday I'm gonna well I have to go out Monday, but I think Tuesday. I'm gonna be inside all day looking for drafts
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well stay warm Uh, you too. (laughs) All right great Folks, thanks for stopping by. We'll be taking a good gardening stroll shortly. If you have questions, concerns, or comments about how your plants are going to react to this crazy weather to go from 60 and two days later to not even above freezing, yikes! 314 436 7900 or 1 800 925 1120. Saturday mornings, we get together and have a roundtable discussion about what's impacting your landscape, whether it's a landscape in the backyard. Front or side yards, and that specialty garden space, are you happy with it? Has it done well? How about the taste of the tropics? Hopefully, you've got your house plants already in. If you haven't, they're already dead because we've had a couple days where it's been below freezing. And uh, what is a potting mix? How to improve your soil? Should you be pruning this time of year? Should you be shearing rather than pruning? What's the difference? How to get rid of those bugs and diseases and using information to make good decisions. My thoughts and will help you orchestrate, hopefully, that so you can open and make solid decisions with all the options there are. Final judgment, of course, is going to be up to you. And by the way, this is your show, and I appreciate you inviting me into your home, your car, wherever you happen to be listening. Another important player in this game is Alex. He's across the board right now, taking somebody to just called in. So when you call in, just give him your name. And where you're calling from, he doesn't know that much about plant materials, so uh, he doesn't need to know. Or <laughs> you, know, you can ask him, but it doesn't make any difference. By the way, I'm Mike Miller. I've been hosting the Garden Hotline since 1994, and I come to and I can come to your home and do a landscape consultation. If you'd like for me to do, come and be a walk and talk in your yard. Well, you can go to my website, MikeMillerDesigns.com. The homepage will have my email address and phone number where I can be reached. Today, I'm headed to South County off Tesson Ferry after the show. I've written five gardening books. to are currently available at various locations. And today's Good Gardening Stroll is brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. The sky was just starting to brighten. A limestone wall with wrought iron fence pops out. Limestone building, too. Lots of birds were out, and it was still not really all that bright and light. Uh, There was some shrub roses that still had blooms on them. They haven't been pruned back, and they were still not only budding, but blooming, showing petals and everything else. There was a boxwood hedge, and it was spiced with magnolia tree leaves. The magnolia tree leaves were above it. The magnolia had very fuzzy buds that say, Come back next spring and see what I can show you. And uh, the hydrangea, flower clusters. The weight was causing the stems to bend. Variegated lariope was running along the foundation of the building. There's also in that some spicing from oak trees. Oak trees were across the street, four-lane road. Maiden grass, whoo, it was bouncing in the early morning breeze. Uh gold thread branch cypress. They were just kind of hanging out, weren't do, moving too much, even in the breeze. So they were bookending another magnolia tree, which on that side of the, this building basically duplicated what was on the other side, the boxwood, the roses, and the hydrangeas. A strip of views were on the back side. And where was this? Well, the top of the building, a cut stone letters high above says, where was I? Missouri Botanical Garden. 1858. This is the historic entrance to the Missouri Botanical Garden. Way back when, that's the only way you could get in. And when I worked at the garden my last year was in the Climatron and the person who sat there, took admission and all all that kind of stuff, had to have a lunch break. So we, whoever was on staff at the garden at that time, would go out and give them their break for lunch. So I spent some time actually working in there. Now it's a an exhibition hall and all kinds of other stuff. But something really kind of wild and crazy happened while I was there doing my Good Gardening stroll. A car pulled up and pulled right in front of where I had parked. And somebody got out of the car. I thought, oh, man, what's this going to be? I'm going to have to say I don't have cash. I don't carry cash. I only have a card. And uh, so they approached me and said, Mike Miller. I said, "Uh, yeah. And I couldn't tell who it was or anything else. It turns out to be Kevin Mattingly. Kevin and I worked at the Botanical Garden at the same time, way, way, way back when. He's still on the staff there. He was coming by, he said, because he had to turn on the pools. So, blah, 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 blah. But anyway, he said, every time I see you, first of all, he commented, What are you crazy? Still wearing shorts and stuff? And I said, You know, I deny there's a winter. But uh, we used to, the staff used to have lunch, you know, the, he was he's in the maintenance department. I was in the horticulture department, but we all had lunch at the same time. And part of our lunch routine was playing wiffle ball. And I have a, I don't know if I still do because I haven't thrown a wiffle ball for a while. I have a great curve with a wiffle ball. And he said, I still remember your c- wiffle ball curve. And I said, really? Wow, that's totally well. But Kevin is still on the staff there. I left there decades ago. But he's stayed there and absolutely done a tremendous – I think he's the head of the maintenance department now. But uh, anyway, it was quite the surprise to, as I'm sitting there and, or standing there in front of the historic entrance to have somebody historically that I knew in the garden long ago, Kevin Mattingly. So it was really kind of a great time that I happened to be there right that, at that moment. So anyway, Mike Miller, MOS Garden Hotline. If you have questions, concerns, or comments, 314 or 1-800-925-1120.
1: Once again, Mike Miller on KMOX.
2: Yes, folks. 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120 with questions, concerns, or comments. Uh, One thing, we've had a couple calls, we haven't put them on air, related to medical marijuana. And medical marijuana People kind of get a little bit confused. Medical marijuana is an annual. I mean, it's just like any other annual that you would be growing. But also, medical marijuana doesn't have the THC element. That's the part of marijuana or cannabis or pot or whatever you want to call it, that makes you crazy, dizzy, or whatever. So medical marijuana is not the same thing as m- marijuana that you smoke. So it's a totally different world. So... The callers that have called in related to that, they're two completely, they're the same kind of plant, but they're not the exact same thing as a result of it. So again, medical marijuana does not have THC, and that's the thing that makes you high. So that's one of the major differences between the two. Let's head over to Carla's house. Hi, Carla.
4: Good
5: morning, Mike. Hi. I have a large, we have a large maple tree in the back, over 20 years old. And two limbs that were vertical were kind of joined at the base. One limb died, and we had an arborist have it cut this week. Mm -hmm. Well, it left the dead center open, and it had to be cut horizontally to not hurt the other limb. So now we have an open bowl, and I'd like to fill it. What do you recommend?
2: Don't bother filling it. There's nothing that you can fill it with that's going to do anything that— Anything that you put in there actually could cause more problems than good.
5: Well, that's why I called you. What about quick concrete?
2: No. <laughs> uh, well, I you could put about putty the in, there, you know, in
5: there. You and have any silly? Tree.
2: You have any silly putty around your house? You could use no concrete <laughs> or anything like that. Just doesn't work because when it. You know, when it dries, it shrinks a little bit, and that what it does is actually hold more moisture, doesn't allow whatever kind of moisture that gets down in there, which is going to happen, to evaporate as quickly. So the best thing you can do is just not do anything.
5: You're not worried that it'll rot the rest of the tree? No,
2: I mean, uh, the arborist took care of it, so he knew what he was doing, I'm assuming, if he was an official arborist. So there shouldn't be – I mean, I'm not saying it couldn't happen – But putting something in the hole right now is not going to stop that rotting.
5: Okay. Well, he was on the ground. The the tree trimmer didn't mention it, and my husband was on the ground, and they didn't see it. And that's why I wondered if I shouldn't shut it somehow.
2: So what? a squirrel went up and told you there's a hole up there?
5: No, we see it from the deck.
2: Oh, I see.
5: (laughs) But they were on the ground.
2: Right. So, no, I mean, there's nothing you can really do. I mean... The old okay. days of filling things with concrete and stuff really causes potentially more problems than good.
5: All right. Thank you,
2: Mike. Sure. And related to that, not only moisture wise, but concrete or anything you'd put in there has, you know, concrete in particular has an alkaline chemistry. So oh, that may be, you know, more problem from the chemical standpoint than any kind of moisture or anything else.
6: Okay. Thank you, Mike.
2: Certainly. My pleasure. And now let's go from Carla's house over to Tom's. Hi, Tom.
6: Yeah, Mike, I usually try to fertilize uh, twice in the fall. I obviously did it earlier. Now, how late uh, can you do this given the, the weather that we're having?
2: Well, it's just, is you know, have you put your hoses away and turn off your faucets and all that other stuff? Because if, yes. you, if you put fertilizer down, if it's a granular type fertilizer, <laughs> the best thing to do is to water it in. So. Yeah. I would say that, you know, from that perspective, it's not going to be something that you really want to do. If you want to do it right before rain or something, not necessarily the stuff we're having on Monday or whatever, rain slash snow. But uh, normally you want to get it done, but uh, it's not going to, if you have a cool season lawn, you can wait. We probably, this is not going to be hopefully, you know, an extension all the way through the rest of the winter of, you know, extremely cold out of sequence type things. You could put it down as late as probably Thanksgiving. I wouldn't put any any later than that.
6: Okay, but as long as it's uh, the air temperature is above freezing and the ground's above freezing, and I do it before rain.
2: Yeah, I mean that would be fine because you want to you want to get it down in contact with the ground. You don't want it right. just sitting on the blades of your lawn. So that's why you got the watering, and what that does is wash it down into the ground and start the dissolving, you know, prospects.
6: Even well, though know, the ground might be frozen. Huh?
2: Right. <laughs> I don't know. As even if it gets extremely cold, I don't know if the ground's going to be frozen more than you know a half inch or an inch or so. So the, it's not going to be frozen totally yet. Okay. Thank you very much. Yep. My pleasure. And let's see. Let's head over to Keith. Hi,
7: Keith. Hi, Mike. Hey, I have a customer who asked me about trimming her uh, nine bark. Mm-hmm. It looked like crape um, myrtle to me. But she said it's nine bark. I'm not familiar with that.
2: As far as pruning it now?
7: Uh, I guess so. She Well, she wants to do it correctly. And if this is not the right time to do it, then we won't. But well, uh, I yeah. want to know the right way. Is, is it just like a crepe myrtle?
2: Well, kind of. It's it's really not known for its flowering like the crepe myrtles are. It's kind of a shrub that's, you know, I'm not saying it's ugly, but it's not really all that impactful. <laughs> okay. So I would say if you want to go ahead and prune it, go ahead and prune it. It's not going to make that much difference.
7: Again, I do it like a uh, like a great mural. I could take a third off or something because I think she was, you know, she said something about the leaves fell off earlier than they usually do, but it's a little taller than it has been, or I, I don't know. We, it's a new customer. We didn't have a lot of time to really talk about it.
2: Yeah, I mean, you could take a third off if, if it's a, over the walkway or something.
7: I mean, no, no, it's just, uh, it just doesn't look as good as it used to, I think.
2: <laughs> well, that may be aging, just like me. I don't look as good as I used to either. <laughs>
7: well, all righty then. Uh, but a third, What? what about? A, what's the maximum? I a, would I'd say
2: make? I don't like to cut off anything more than a third on anything. And no, evergreen, you know, evergreens, none this time of year. But uh, deciduous type things, a third would be the, as much as I would ever take off.
8: All
7: Well, I will contact her. Thank you so much for your help.
2: Yeah. Thank you. And thanks for having me on your show. I greatly appreciate it. And now let's go to Russ. Hi, Russ. Hey, Mike. Hey.
9: Yes. Uh, I have a question. I have eight long needle pines that are planted in a straight row. And their trunks are about six or seven feet apart. I want to take all of those out and put in arborvitae, giant green arborvitae. So I was just thinking of having the tree cut to the ground and not remove the uh, the, uh, the root system underneath it.
2: Right, and not grind the stump or anything. I'll tell you what, anything that you put in there, I'm assuming these are healthy, growing, blah, 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 whatever. So the root system is still going to stay viable, even if you ground out the stump. So anything that you plant in close proximity of where the existing pines are, is going to have real trouble because the the pine root system is still going to think it's still alive. It's still going to be fighting for nutrients, moisture, and everything else. So anything that you put in new is going to have a very difficult time because it's going to be battling well-established root systems. So that's you know where you're kind of looking at a problem. If you can step them back or put them forward of where the existing ones are by eight or ten feet, that would be the you know the minimum amount. And if you can't do that, I would say it's going to be a roll of the dice if you do. If you go ahead and plant where basically where the existing pines are.
9: Yeah, I need these arborvites to shade my house from a street and and whatever goes and across the street. Uh, And I need need to uh, get that shaded or covered up so nobody can see through.
2: So are the pines, have they lost their lower branches? Is that why you want to take them out? Yes. And, well, why not, you know, add something in there that might go ahead and do that anyway, like uh, a leather leaf viburnum that you could step out from where the pines are about four or five feet and then let that infill the lower part as opposed to taking these all the way down because even the green giant arborvitae, which is a relatively fast-growing, they are—they're not really all that robust as far as how wide they are at the base. So it's gonna—you're gonna need a lot of them. If you have seven pines in there that used to do the—you know—do it, you're gonna probably need 14 or so of the—you know—green giant. And that's—I'm not saying you really need that many, but to give you some kind of, let's say, screening relatively soon. And if you're gonna do that with the green giants, plant them in a zigzag, not in a straight line.
9: Okay. All right. Well, thank you very much.
2: Yeah. So again, consider an, you know an alternative to just leaving the pines where they are, if you can, and put something in there, like I said, the leatherleaf viburnum, which is an evergreen, broadleaf evergreen, and just let that infill the you know the lower spots that's causing you real problems now.
10: All right. Thank
9: you.
2: Certainly, my pleasure. And now let's see if we can get over to Gary's yard. Hi, Gary.
11: Hello. Hi. Hi, I have uh, uh, two questions for you. One, um, I have, it's called a butterfly bush. I got it from like burpee and it like attracts butterflies. And I've had it planted in uh, kind of a garden bed and I want to transplant it. When is a good time? Is it now is the time or spring the good time?
2: I would say wait until before the new growth begins The foliage starts coming out because it is a summer bloomer. And I wouldn't move it around this time of year. They're, they are pretty tough and they may do okay. But you're really going to tear up the root system to dig it up. And then regardless of how careful you are and everything else, then it's going to be facing who knows what kind of crazy winter so it okay. may just be you know winter killed as a result of that. So I would okay. wait until sometime mid to late February, early March. What you know, make sure the ground is damp before you dig it up. Have the new location you need, to have it in full sun, and then move it at that time.
11: Okay, and the same. I have a uh, uh, a volunteer uh, maple tree that I don't know exactly what it is, but it's some type of maple. It still the colors haven't turned on it, but it's about Probably about three years old, and the the trunk is probably about two and a half inches in diameter, it's probably about six or seven feet tall. And I want to transplant it to a better location in the yard.
3: Yeah,
2: I would again probably do it, you know, kind of in the same way because you're just going okay. to tear up. If we, if our winter was a little bit more predictable, which we know it, it will never be, it, you may be fine doing it. It may work out perfectly. But if, we, if this is any kind of indication what's going to happen for the rest of the winter, what's going to happen on Tuesday, whereas we're not going to get above freezing, it's going to be uh, really difficult for new transplants. Buying things from nurseries, that's fine because they're already in containers. The root systems have already been, let's say, impacted as far as growing, if they're in burlap or anything else. But digging something up, you're going to tear up the roots, and then it's not going to have the cuz you think plants go to sleep in the winter time but they don't necessarily they're still up taking nutrients and moisture and everything else to keep the let's say the woody growth above the ground healthy and viable so once you reduce all the root system basically the root hairs which you're going to do by digging it up then its uh, chance of survival is going to be somewhat minimal
11: okay cuz everybody knows the uh, winters in st louis are very predictable <laughs> All right. Thank you very
2: much for being on my show. Well, great. Well, thank you. And Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline. If you have questions, concerns, or comments, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120.
1: Once again, Mike Miller on KMOX.
2: Yes, folks. 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120 with questions, concerns, or comments. Let's head over to Ed Yard. Hi, Ed. Hello, hi, Mike.
8: Yes, hey, Mike. I'm going to take advantage of the warm weather this weekend and finish composting my raised flower beds. Um, after I trim back my perennials, do I need to water the beds one more time?
2: Are you Are you just going to cover them with the mulch or with the compost? or Are you going to actually in you move it or blend it in with the soil?
8: No, I'm just going to uh, cover the beds with the compost. I'm not going to work it in.
2: Nah, uh, it probably wouldn't hurt to. W- if it was mulch, I would say you definitely got to uh, do some moisturizing. But with the compost, it has a pretty much high moisture content anyway. It wouldn't hurt to do it if you haven't got your if you have put your hoses away or your irrigation system it hasn't been shut down. But it, it's not essential to do.
8: Well, you know, Mike, we've had a you know, pretty wet spell lately. I figured the ground is still fairly moist anyway.
2: Right. You can go out there and check it. I mean, certain areas have had more moisture than other areas. So you can just take a trowel or a spade out there and just, you know, dig up one shovel full and see how it looks. And if it feels moist, then you're probably fine.
8: Mike, also, we errantly bought a weeping willow, and we are not going to be able to put it in the ground because of its size that it's going to attain. Where can you donate a tree?
2: <laughs> this time of year, I'm not really sure. You could try uh, gateway greening. I don't know their phone number or anything, but just look them up. They are an organization that has community gardens and things along that line, and see if there's something you know that they could help. And there's also, uh, let's see, that's probably who I'd contact more so than
8: anybody else. Well, you know, it's funny, Mike, is I contacted the St. Louis City Forestry Department. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know how the city's hurting for money, right? Right. They all accept donations. <laughs> So I, I really thought that was my easy out there.
2: Right. Or do you live, Yeah, I don't want to get too personal, but do you live in the city? I'm going to tell you yes, to sir. do something illegal. You do?
8: Yeah, no, I Oh, well, you know, I thought about, you know, when it's dark, just right. going over to one of the local parks, they're going to hold a barrier. That's what I was going to you put was put gonna say. <laughs> but, you know, it's nice to do something naughty once in a while. Right, like, you exactly. Know? <laughs> good, but this is a good naughty, though. <laughs>
2: Especially right, thank if you, you know, for your help, Mike. Yeah, especially if you know where there's a low wet spot. <laughs> okay. okay. Thank you, Mike. Certainly, my pleasure. Yeah. <laughs> and let's go back over. Oh, this is not the same Greg, it's a different Greg. Hi, Greg.
12: Hello. Hi. Hi, how are you? Very good. Hey, I've got a question. I moved into a new house. It's got a tree line with a creek in the back, and it's somewhat shaded in that area. And I know a lot of the retail stores have plants and plants on sale now. I mean, they're basically giving them away. What can I buy to plant in that area uh, that would be good, that would accept, you know, a little bit of sun during the day, probably majority shade during the day? Are you looking for something
2: herbaceous ground cover like that, or are you looking for woody plants? Well,
12: like like knockout roses, stuff like that that they have on sale. Would would those things grow in that area? No, they won't. They won't. Okay.
2: Everything's going to have a little bit of difficulty not knowing what type of trees there are there. I'm assuming the root system of the existing trees are overlapping each other. So, you know, I mean, it's going to be a a real tough time. If you can find something like... uh, Red twig dogwoods, something along that line, or maybe inkberries, which is a broadleaf evergreen uh, native to Missouri, those kind of things. I would look at shrubs, definitely nothing like ground covers or perennials or anything along that line.
12: Okay, okay. Very good. I appreciate it.
2: Certainly. And definitely no azaleas, rhododendrons, hollies, nothing along that line.
12: Okay, okay. Sounds good. Thanks again. Certainly. Certainly.
2: Yeah, when I said inkberry, inkberry is a holly, but it's native. It can take the shade. It can take the wet areas and stuff like that. So that's – and now let's go over to Mary's yard. Hi, Mary.
4: Hi. Hi. How are you? Very good. Um, well, we've got two nice days coming up here, <laughs> and I'm down to the wire, and I called about this last weekend. I have two viburnum lentigos, and I've got the hole dug. I've got the compost ready. And I'm gonna tr- I'm gonna put them in. I think this weekend. Um, do you think they will survive?
2: It's hard to say.
4: I uh, know it's really late in the season, and Monday's supposed to be
2: terrible. Yeah, Monday and Tuesday. Tuesday is not even going to get above freezing, so the high is only supposed to be 26 with a low in the teens. Right, right. And so um, the soil is going to have a lot of air pockets in it, so that cold air is going to sink because cold always sinks. And it uh-huh. could really do some damage to the root system.
4: Well, if I mix up the soil really good, which I plan to do, you know, mix the compost in and get it so it's more fine and less clumpy. Right. Um, that'll help, right?
2: Absolutely. And also water will help because that will help fill in some of the
4: gaps. Oh, okay. So water it in pretty good. Right. Okay. And um, I don't know if I have time to run and get mulch to put on top, but, you know... Um, if I don't over the weekend, I could do that during the week, probably. Certainly.
2: And also if you have just even some leaves in your yard, you could just rake some leaves from other that have fallen underneath other trees and no, use I've got that as, of a, leaves. You know, I've got as a, big a temporary. Oak tree out
4: front. Big.
2: Yeah.
4: What about straw? Does that make a very good mulch? No. <laughs> okay. Won't do straw, but I've got lots of big, I've got a oak out front. Oh, good. Yeah, so
2: just put a lot of leaves around it. Yeah, you know, it's not going to be the same as mulch, so you don't have to worry about four to six inches because there's going to be a lot of air there. But that will just be, it's going to be kind of like, you know, when you're in bed asleep. A quilt is really the really thing that keeps you warm, but, right. a, a, you know, a sheet does keep you warm. So this is more like putting a sheet right down rather than a quilt.
4: Okay, okay. And then if I get a chance, well, I'll get a chance to get some mulch, to go ahead and mulch the top of it. Yeah,
2: if you do get some mulch, then pull these leaves that you put around it temporarily back and Uh then put the new mulch down. And again, no more than three to four inches of mulch.
4: Okay, okay. And it is losing its leaves, but that's normal, I think, for this time of year.
3: It should be, yes.
4: Yeah, okay. And the root ball, should I just leave it totally intact or should I try to loosen it at all when I take them out of the pot?
2: Uh it just depends. If they're really tight and you can see a whole lot of roots that are just bound together, it wouldn't hurt to tease them a little bit.
4: Uh-huh. Okay. All right. Um. Okay. And water them in real good after I plant them.
2: Right. And water, and- water them before you even take them out of the pot, too.
4: Okay. Yeah, I did that the other day, okay. but I'll check them again. Right. And how much compost to garden soil? Uh... <laughs> Recent garden soil, because we tilled it up years ago, but I, I noticed that soil still, it's not real heavy clay.
2: Uh, Probably, I wouldn't worry too much about, you know, maybe a couple inches, just blend it in.
4: Blend it in? Yeah. Okay, all right, because I've got like a fourth of a bag left, so, okay. and it's good compost. Very good. I know, it's really good. All so. right. Okay, just, get, they won't survive indoors, right?
2: <laughs> no.
4: Like in the basement, <laughs> my basement's dry and fairly warm no. in
2: the winter. No. That's not – you don't want to do that.
4: Okay. I'll put them outside and keep my fingers crossed. Right. Good luck. All right. Thanks a lot. (laughs) Certainly.
2: If you do have any questions, concerns, or comments, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120.
1: Again, Mike Miller on KMOX. A
2: little bit of insight on your tropical plant materials, whether your house plants had been outside, you brought them inside, or whether they've been inside the whole time. They didn't go outside for the summer or anything else. Just realize that watch out about overwatering. So, if you start to see the leaves on your plants wilt, take a look at the potting mix, see if it's shrinking away from the inside of the pot. Then it probably does need moisture. If it's not, you may have already overwatered, and the wilting could just mean that the root system is rotting. It's not able to take up moisture, and that's why the foliage on your plant material is looking that bad. So waterlogging is not something that you want to, you don't want to overwater. Yes, there are some house plants that can take a whole lot of moisture, but still you got to be very, very careful even with them not to overwater, especially as the days get shorter and shorter and shorter. The days will continue to get shorter a few minutes each day all the way up until December 22nd. And that's going to be the shortest day as far as the amount of sunlight of the year, then after that, the days will start increasing a couple minutes every day. So just realize that you know, while it's really, really getting dark and it's dark and the daylight is short, even if the plants are right in front of the window, don't overwater. That's, underwatering is by far better than overwatering. So let's head over to Vivian's yard. And Vivian, how are you?
5: Yes, uh, Mike, thank you for your show. Well, my son went to California with his wife in May, and they went through the redwood forests. And in a moment of insanity, they bought a uh, seedling uh, sequoia and a seedling redwood, put them in big pots, and they're actually doing quite well. Any chance of overwintering those things? Can, it, can they put them outside in a protected area, or what do you do?
2: Uh, they could. Uh, generally, those plants that they got are not ones that can handle this crazy weather that we have so they're, California, even in the mountains or wherever they got them, and the, the coastal areas, you know, the sequoias and things like that, it, very modified circumstance. So they could try it, but uh, I don't know if they're going to have any luck with it. Also, <laughs> okay. it wasn't the best thing to do to put them in big pots. I don't know how big the plants are. They should yeah. have kept them in relatively small pots and then sunk the pots into the ground for the wintertime.
5: Ah, okay. All right, I'll suggest that. I, they're, they're probably like fourteen-inch pots. Oh, that's not huge uh, then. Yeah. No. Okay. Well, we'll give it a shot, and we'll give you an update in the spring.
2: Well, that sounds good. And uh, just uh, like with this crazy weather and everything else that we're just having within the next couple days. I mean, basically sixty to sixty today, and Tuesday the high is going to be twenty-nine. I mean, gee, many Christmas. So yeah, yeah, thirty degrees then, difference
5: and throw a little water on it a couple of times through the uh, winter.
2: Oh yeah, only if we have periods where there's no snow, ice or anything like that. And these, you know, these trees are not necessarily going to like ice storms because you know, anyway. It's just not yeah. a great place to grow them. That's why they don't have any of them growing at the botanical garden outside.
5: Okay. All right.
2: Well, thank you. Certainly. Good luck with that and, you know, I know the temptation is when you're out there you see these things and you're just overwhelmed by especially when you're going through the forest and something along that line so the initiative is to like i want to take some of this home because this is so spectacular so i can completely understand and now let's head over to barb's yard hi barb good
13: morning hi i i have a mature maple tree that one of the limbs uh the ends of the limb whenever it rains it is rubbing on the shingles mm. of the uh, garage roof yeah now uh can i just you know at this time of the year can i just take that limb off i'm afraid that what it's going to do over the winter is damage the shingles
10: right
2: ideally summer is a time to prune maples but i would say get the thing off your roof for sure and don't okay. just cut it back enough so it's not rubbing on your roof Cut it all the way back. If it's a longer branch, cut it back in sections like one-third at a time with a final cut being either where it's attached to the next biggest branch or where it's attached to the trunk, and just leave about a quarter to a half-inch stub.
13: Okay. Now, do I need to put something over that exposed um, area whenever I take the limb off?
2: There's nothing that you could put on that's going to make any difference. You might rub some mud on it so you can't see it, but other than that, no.
13: Oh, okay. All right. All right. I will do that then.
2: Thank you. Pruning sealers of days of old, long time ago, they had lead in them. So consequently, that lead would kind of prevent, you know, from a bacteria standpoint, it would minimize or eliminate the potential for bacteria. When the lead had to come out of all kinds of different things, it came out of pruning sealers, and that made them sort of, they're just like cosmetics. They're not going to do anything for the plant material at all.
13: Okay. All right. I will get that done.
2: All right. Yeah. Again, cut it off in sections. That way, you don't have to worry about tearing the bark. But yeah, definitely get it where it's not rubbing on your roof. I don't want. Yeah, it
13: just all. I, I noticed it the other day whenever it rained, that it was low enough that it was rubbing on the shingles. And I just know that you know with freezing, if we get a freezing rain, then you know that is potential for it to be damaging to the. To the shingles right so i need to get it taken care of yeah okay i've got a job for today
2: <laughs> good luck
13: <laughs> thank you
2: <laughs> certainly yeah and if uh you know speaking of maple trees we have three you know sugar maples around our house we're on a corner one of them has already defoliated entirely the another one has just now within the last week or so Really started to drop leaves. I was sort of standing it, you know, and watching it drop leaves yesterday. And the leaves were red orange. I mean, it's spectacular. And it's really kind of interesting to watch leaf drop. I guess I've always been a lot more busy than I am right now, but I was just standing there watching. And it was real, it was, I just was intrigued by the fact there wouldn't be any leaves dropping at all, but maybe one or two. And then all of a sudden, it'd be like, 20 or 30 or 50 or 70 or whatever leaves would just drop at one time. And they're definitely dropping more from the top first than they are from the lower branches. Now, the third maple is not hasn't started to drop hardly any leaves yet at all. And the same with, you know, in our neighborhood, we've got a lot of maple trees. Some of them are still holding on the majority of their leaves. Other ones have almost lost all their leaves. So it's just kind of amazing. And I'll tell you, the one maple, these are street trees, so in theory there's department or street department trees or parks department. I don't know who takes care of them, probably the street department. But anyway, the maple that has already dropped all its leaves, I did notice I kept figuring I kept looking up into it through the entire growing season, and I know I've got two major branches that are dead because the the bark is basically all sloughed off and everything else. So sometime this winter, I'm going to go out with my pole pruner. They're probably – the branch diameter is probably like four inches or so. So I'm going to cut those two branches off and then uh, chop them up and put them into the uh, yard waste dumpster, which, you know, is in the alley. And I've already started to fill the yard waste dumpster with chopped leaves and rake leaves. I got kind of lazy the other day. I have an electric mower, battery-powered and what i did is i didn't really feel like raking so i just basically chopped them up and bagged them so then i ended up filling a 55 gallon <laughs> trash bag full of leaves from just a relatively relatively small area of my front yard so because that's the amount of leaves that had fallen already from the one tree that wasn't you know in bad shape so anyway I'm going to t- today after the show, after I come back from my appointment in South County, it's going to be leaf raking time. So, generally, uh, because of all the leaves where we are, we're on the northeast corner of Christie Park, and the prevailing winds are coming out of the southwest. It blows a huge amount of leaves up out of the park and onto our yard. I end up, I end up with something about uh, double digits of 55 gallon trash bags full of leaves. That I rake up and take it back to the yard waste dumpster. Sometimes I fill the dumpster right the day after it's been, you know, emptied, because of all the leaves that are there. There's been times when I've actually gotten up into the dumpster and jumped around so I could compact those leaves and make it so I could get more leaves in there. But it is really incredible the amount of leaves, not only from the trees that I have. But also, again, from the prevailing winds blowing them up into, you know, into my yard. So it's I wouldn't give up the house for anything as far as like being able to look out across the park. But, boy, this time of year, I keep waiting. Anyway, so if you have questions or concerns, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. See you after the news.
1: Now, Mike Miller on KMOX.
2: Yes, folks, Mr. Kelly, I'll let you go. I know you're very let me very go? busy. I
3: see you reading. I am symptoms. always busy. Be- I'm on the, f- you know, just because I'm looking at my phone. That's just life.
2: <laughs> Not my life.
3: <laughs> you're the smart <laughs> one.
2: Anyway, folks, welcome to the Garden Hotline Tip of the Trial Hour, which I'll be giving shortly. But right now, you can call 314-436-7900 or one eight hundred nine two five eleven twenty. Uh oh, an engineer is in here. I don't know what he's going to do. Are you going to arrest me? Anyway. Your ideas, questions, or concerns, or comments, just call about those. And by the way, thanks for having me on your show. We can discuss plant selection, cares, ups and downs, and all arounds for your annuals. Some of the annuals are still doing okay. Most of them have been frozen. Bulbs. Have you planted all those daffodil and tulip bulbs? You are getting right at the edge of the end of time to get them in the ground. How about your cool season edibles? Herbs. A lot of tough herbs. The herbs I have, I have a couple varieties of Time and uh, variegated sage, they, they could care less if it gets this cold. Anyway, your ground covers, all those leaves falling down into your ground cover, like your ivies and things along that line, what can you do? Set your mower high and just go over the top of it. Definitely don't try to rake leaves out of an evergreen-type ground cover. Your house plants, how are they doing since you brought them in? Or if they're still inside, your lawn, your cool-season lawn. Your warm season lawn, well, the zoysia, last Wednesday I went ahead and dropped my mower blade down to about two inches and did my, let's say, winterizing of my Zoiza. And it's pretty, it's not totally brown, but it's getting pretty low. Perennials, I'm still seeing when I'm out and about a lot of perennials that have really gone dormant, but the foliage is still there. So you're better off to go ahead and cut that foliage, get rid of it, compost, whatever to avoid potential passing along of diseases, insects, and things along that line. Your roses, as I said before, right outside the Botanical Garden Historic Entrance, the shrub roses and knockouts were still flowering. I, I was kind of shocked by that. But anyway, how about your shrubs, your vines, your water garden, and your whatever? Trees, of course. Trees, really spectacular this time of year. And I share my thoughts, but please remember my answers, comments, and opinions is not the only garden path to take, but offer for you to just to consider. Alex is over. He answers the board. He's producing this show. So when you call in, just give him your name and where you're calling from. That's all he needs. During the week and sometimes on the weekend, I do landscape consulting, which I call a walk and talk. If you'd like to schedule one for your home, you can go to MikeMillerDesigns.com. Homepage. that's where my email address and phone number are. And also, I have a gift certificate I can email you if you'd like to give a gift certificate for a walk and talk to somebody. Actually, I sent one to somebody's, I believe their birthday is today. I finally got it to them, um, I think on Thursday, I emailed it across. So um, we've, been, we've been having some medical problems around the house, so I kind of got behind on doing a little things or a few things. But uh, during the walk and talk, we can discuss some of the design aspects of your home, plant care and maintenance or whatever. Tip of the trowel is a special recognition individual group or situation that's made an impression on me. And it's brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. Tip of the trowel today goes out to the Missouri Botanical Garden and the Faust Butterfly House because the botanical garden actually runs the butterfly house which totally wild and crazy but i think that's fantastic that happened but the holiday events at the missouri botanical garden and the butterfly house between november 23rd which is a couple weeks from now and january 4th the garden's seventh annual garden glow and it's presented by wells fargo advisors and it runs nightly during those times from 5 till 10 and the last time you can get in is 9 o'clock. It will be closed on December 19th and Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. And this, what this thing is is just a totally wild, I believe they're saying there's going to be over a million lights across the garden grounds. So you can just wander through. There's all kinds of other things you can eat and drink and ever just have some great fun. Also, starting on November 23rd, and running to just till January 1st is the Gardenland Express Holiday Flower and Train Show. It's G Scale Trains. So if you don't know what G Scale is, you can just look it up on the internet. But there's all kinds of houses and routes and everything else, all in scale. It is really just a fantastic circumstance. Now, there is a separate admission to get to the Gardenland Express. But it is it's well worth it, especially if you've never seen it. If you have seen it, you know how fantastic it is. But that's just a few of the things that are going on at the botanical garden. You know, for the next in a couple weeks, for the next month or so. So there's just all kinds of other crazy stuff at the butterfly house starting November 5th through the 31st. The winter jewels. That's from 10 to 4, though the butterfly house is closed on Monday, and it's just kind of of just a great, just you get in there and the butterflies are floating all over the place and it's just, it's just fantastic. So just realize that. And then on November 29th at the Butterf- Sachs, Sophia M. Sachs Butterfly House in Chesterfield Fowles Park, the Black Friday gift making for kids. That's going to be on the 29th of November. So all kinds of stuff at the Botanical Garden. I'll be talking about more of them as well. So if you have any questions, concerns or comments 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Why don't we take a call before we take a break? Let's head over to Jane's
13: yard. Hi Jane. Hello. Hi. Oh, yes, is it too late to prune knockout roses? Uh, no. <laughs> so I can, how and how far down can I take
2: them? Uh, some people cut them all away, which I don't like, but uh you definitely You know, it's almost really too early after Tuesday when we have this severe frost, you can cut them. But people have already started to cut them. As I was saying before, there's some outside the historic entrance to the Botanical Garden, knockout roses, that are still flowering. So if you want to leave them, you can. You can do it a little bit later, or you can just go ahead and prune them. If you want to cut them back halfway, you can certainly do that. Okay, great. Thanks. Certainly. My pleasure. And one more call. Let's head over to John's yard. Hi, John.
12: Hey Mike, uh, thanks for taking my
6: call. Uh, the lady ahead of me uh, answered one of my questions, or you answered it for me. The other question is: we have we planted a new tree uh, in September, and I've been watering it religiously, three or four times a week. When now that we're getting into the colder weather, do I need to water as much?
2: No, not at all. And probably, hopefully, you didn't overwater it. It was planted properly, so. You, you know, because a lot of times, you know, it can settle and it could cause some major problems. The soil could settle around where you, you plant, you know, the actual roots right. it was
6: It was planted professionally. Okay, so. good. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't do it. So, yeah.
2: And uh, okay. another thing, so. was a tree staked? So, in other words, to keep it upright? Yes, it is. So, yeah. just watch it. Make sure that the staking, and this is for anybody, if you stake a tree, to prevent it from, let's say, getting blown over or whatever it happens to be, make sure there's right. still some flexibility in those ropes that are staked or whatever is staked there with. There is. Okay, yep. good. There is. Yeah. That's perfect because that moving of the tree in the wind that actually helps the caliper of the tree trunk increase. That's for and that's great for strength. If it's too tight, yep. then you got some real problems.
6: Right. Well, when it's windy, you can see the the rubber ropes or whatever it is they're they're uh, flapping.
2: Okay, great. So,
6: and there's there's a couple inches give in them. So
2: Sounds perfect. A couple
6: inches. Yeah. Okay. And how long do those need to stay up? Uh probably at
2: least until uh probably I would say the first of June or so. The root system should be okay. well established enough. Some people say okay. leave them for a full year. I don't think a full year Four is year. actually okay. needed.
6: Well, yeah. Okay. All right, that sounds good. Thank you very much for being a part of the show, Mike. Appreciate
2: well, thanks for having me on your show. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages.
1: Once again, Mike Miller on KMOX. If folks questions about
2: your landscape or whatever, well, make it so it's related to plant material. I mean, I can make up any kind of answer for anything, but I don't want to do that. 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. let us head over to Deshande's yard. Hi, Deshande.
14: Oh, This is Vidya, and uh, I have a wooded back, backyard, and I have problem on both uh, north and south side of my backyard. On the north side, uh, we have a little uh, retaining wall close to the concrete driveway, and the uh they had regraded the backyard the it was sodded and all the sod is gone and the dirt is uh, drained away or it washed away so how, what should i do for that
2: you're never to be honest with you if you have a heavily wooded backyard you're never going to get lawn to grow there regardless of what you do
1: so you're okay. going to you're so, going to have
2: to look at options Type of ground covers that can handle shade, like ivies, periwinkles, and things along that line. But don't bother trying to put any kind of grass, any kind of grass seed, any kind of sod at all.
14: Okay, but the the ground cover may work. Oh, the ground
2: covers—they can handle specific ground covers can handle a shade environment. Yes, definitely.
14: Okay. And one more question. On the uh, southeast side of the driveway, I think there is erosion in my backyard, and I know we have a uh, couple of pin oaks have fallen down. So who should I call or what should I get done with that?
2: Do you have a favorite garden center that you go to? I'm not talking about a big box store. I mean, a regular retail garden center that's open year-round.
14: Yeah. Do, would the retaining wall work by any chance?
2: It could. It, you know, without seeing it, it's a little bit difficult. Or yeah. they may, re, you know, if you don't, if you've had actually trees fall as a result of the erosion, probably a retaining wall is, you know, a recommended type circumstance of, you know, to take care of this problem versus just trying to plug in a whole bunch of different shade tolerant plant material. So probably retaining wall is the best way to go.
14: Okay. And one more time, to the uh, the other side where the sod is gone and the dirt is going away, planting trees, would that work?
2: Uh, you could, but you have to watch out. If you've got a retaining wall close by, the tree roots are going to start pushing on your retaining wall.
14: Oh, no, it is not very clo- uh, close to that. But uh, would the trees survive with that kind of a ground?
2: Yeah. I mean, just make sure that you get trees that are sh- you know tolerant of shade okay. in that type of environment like Japanese maples, dogwoods, uh, service berries, things, you know, plant material that are definitely, or some of the larger growing shrubs, like witch hazels and things along that line. Okay. Thank you so much. Certainly. My pleasure. Bye. And now let's go to Darlene's yard. Hi, Darlene. Good
10: morning, Mr. Miller. Hi. Hi. I have succulent plants. I, I put them in pots. I bought them this spring. I put them in pots, little pots, decorative pots. And what was going to freeze a couple of weeks ago, I moved into a back shed. It has windows all three sides, but it is not a heated shed. Will they survive the winter? It depends upon.
2: Yeah, it depends upon what type of succulents they are. So, succulents are, you know, some of them are a little bit more winter hardy than other ones. Mm-hmm. You could just make sure that uh, you could try, but uh, if, it, if you're inside of your shed, which I'm sure it will, goes below freezing, mm-hmm. then they're probably going to turn to mush. Okay. So all right. uh, my assumption is these are not succulents that are actually hardy plant materials. Correct. Okay, so they're not going to really be able to survive in that situation.
10: Okay, well, thank you very much for your information.
2: Sure. Yeah, so br- you can bring them inside, put them in your basement underneath grow lights or something like that if you want to save them. If they weren't the, all that expensive, then you know maybe just buy some new ones next year.
10: Okay, that sounds better... Better, better idea.
2: <laughs> yeah, sometimes I yeah you know, I do the same thing. I just you can keep certain things, but I mean uh, anyway. Thanks, Darlene. Thank you. And now let's go over to Bob's yard. Hi, Bob.
12: Uh, yeah, I got a uh, question on pruning. Uh, I've got a Japanese maple, a dogwood, and a uh, well, two dogwoods, and a, a miniature Japanese maple. What can I prune?
2: Uh, probably I would not prune any of them. Definitely you don't oh, want to okay. prune the dogwood because you would be cutting the flowers off. The flower yeah, buds are already there. So uh, you with the dogwood, you want to wait until uh, they finish flowering. Then you can prune them at that time. With the Japanese maple, unless you just have to prune it, you're, if it's one of those ones that look like a, an umbrella, then you're better off not to prune it at all. If you're going to prune it, I would say wait until... I always like to prune maples in the summertime as opposed to, you know, the other times. But if you've got okay. to prune it, uh, don't cut more than probably 15, maybe 20 percent off at most.
6: Okay. Uh, well, how about a crepe myrtle?
2: Uh crepe myrtle, they're finished, you know, and they don't bloom until next summer. So you can cut them, you know, you can prune them back From this point forward, all the way up until the leaves start coming out on the stems next spring. So you got about five months before you're gonna, you know, got to get it done.
15: Great, Mike. Thanks so much.
2: Certainly, my pleasure. And let's see, where should we go now? How about over to Scott's yard? Hi, Scott.
15: How you doing, sir? Thank you very much for uh, for your uh, answer there. i have uh one question we uh we planted these my, my aunt sent these to my mom from indiana and they're bushes there's three in front of the house and when we planted them in the front yard in front of the house they have grown but then they stop and they're kind of a kind of an oval shape they're reddish and brown but Every once in a while, you'll get one stem up, but they stay the same. They've been like this for, like, almost three years. And uh, is there any way to make them grow, or is there any way to make them? I, I don't know the name of them, and that's a problem. I don't know the name of these bushes, but there's three of them, and they haven't grown. They're about the size of, uh, oh, gee, let's say, uh, uh let's say they're about two feet high okay all three of them now they stay in the same and i don't know if during the winter if that's affecting them or should i when we put them in we put uh you know some uh wood around them you know like some of that uh mulch you know like yeah, mulch. A little bit of mulch, but uh, something like that. But they've never grown anymore. Is that about the same way they're going to stay?
2: It all depends. I mean, certain varieties of plant material are just naturally dwarfs. So then if these are natural dwarfs, then they're not going to get any bigger.
15: Okay, yeah, that's what I was thinking, because they they've never grown and they stay the same. They look really nice, but... They're not getting any higher than they... Every once in a while, there'll be one that grows right up. Right. You know, one stem that grows right up. And we clip that off, and they've stayed the same ever since. It didn't hurt them or nothing like that. But I was wondering if eventually they'll they'll get bigger.
3: Now,
2: I say if three years they haven't grown, then they're probably, you know, a hybrid that's a dwarf. And that's kind of what they're, you know, stuck with. What you can do is just cut off one branch... You know, that's yeah. not going to cause problems. Take it to your favorite garden center and let them ID it, and that's going to help you figure out this whole thing. Then you can get more answers to what your questions happen
15: to be. Okay, should 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 I should we put some more mulch around them or just leave them alone?
2: Uh, don't put a whole lot of mulch, you know, with... With these, because they're dwarfs, I'd say about two inches of mulch, and don't use wood chips. You know, like the if Amarin comes around and you know cuts a bunch of tree branches off. Yeah. And don't yeah. use that stuff at all. Use real mulch.
15: Okay, real mulch, just right. like. Uh, would it be Would it be more of a uh, the uh, the dirt type mulch, or should it be wood mulch?
2: Or? Wood, you know, more like wood that type okay, stuff. Okay.
15: Okay. That's what we did at first. And should I rake that whole stuff out that was there before? No, uh, you
2: can probably leave it. Just if it's a, the existing stuff, if it's like an inch deep, then just yeah, add sir. another inch or two of new stuff on top of it.
15: Okay. Well, thank you very much. I
2: appreciate that. Certainly. My pleasure. Yeah, with mulch, you, you, you don't want to rake up the old stuff if it's, you know, because as that stuff breaks down, it actually helps feed the soil, and then the soil will turn in turn feed the plant material doesn't necessarily mean it's going to make it bigger. What it means is it's going to make it healthy. Mike Miller, KM Garden Hotline, back after these messages.
1: Once again, Mike Miller on KMOX.
2: The engineer just came in and he said, my voice is really making something really go wrong. So he's come in with a screwdriver and actually screwed some things. So I don't know what's going on. So I'm going to have to change my voice. Anyway, let's go over to Eric Shard. Hi, Eric.
15: Hello. Hi. Uh, I have a blue spruce. It's probably three years old. Uh, the needles on the outside look very healthy, but inside near the stem, they're really brown. Right. And I've, I've noticed it for like the last month or so.
2: That's exactly what should happen. Basically, with oh, really? all kind all kind of conifers, whether they're pines, whether they're spruces or anything else, because there's no light getting into the interior part, the tree just shuts off those interior needles. And I mean, some. I mean, certain years, depending upon how many needles were grown the year that's causing that the, the ones that are turning brown, you could have a minor amount of needles browning, and ultimately they're going to drop, or they could stick on for a couple years with the spruce before they drop. With pines, they'll drop the same year. But this is something just naturally occurs with any kind of conifer, anything that has needles.
15: Okay. Well, thank you very much.
2: Certainly. Yeah. My pleasure. Yeah. Right now, my mugo pine has dropped a pretty, you know, not a huge amount of needles, but it has dropped a lot. And as I, you know, you go through the city, you can look at, you know, a lot of the different pines, and some of them have dropped a heck of a lot of needles. Other ones, not quite so much, but they still got the brown interior.
10: Okay. Thank you.
2: Certainly. My pleasure. And now let's head over to Wayne's yard. Hi, Wayne.
10: Hi, Mike. Hey, I have a question. I was wondering if it's okay to trim uh, some ewes that I have today. Uh, they're about four foot high. They're about four to five foot in diameter. And the stems that I would be cutting off would be about a quarter inch in diameter. They're 45 years old. They're in good condition. And I just didn't get them trimmed this summer. Uh, the, the, like I said, the diameter of the cut would be about a quarter inch. And I won't be trimming any of the small growth. Just the long limbs that are sticking up above the main yew.
2: Yeah, if you want to do that, you could. But I would probably, uh, if you can hold off, you know, just leave them alone through the winter time. I know you don't necessarily like to watch, look at the elongated stems above. the Let's say the hedge aspects, but uh, with the weather that we're they're predicting, you could prune, and what it could do is could maybe maybe not do anything at all. But when it's, I mean, on Tuesday, it's not even going to get above freezing. But those new open wounds, there could be some damage as a result of the cold. So if you can hold off until after Valentine's Day, I would do that. But if you want to go ahead and prune them, you could just go ahead and prune them. And you can call, you know, next spring and say, Mike Miller, you don't know what you're talking about. I pruned them. It got really cold and nothing happened.
10: Okay, so you don't think it's going to—you don't think it'll kill them?
2: No, it shouldn't kill them. No, I mean it could do some damage to the stems that have been cut, but overall, no, it won't kill them.
10: All right. Well, you know these—this these, extra growth is like six to eight inches apart. You know how they do. You right. Know? And they're standing straight up, and they just look terrible. And it was so <laughs> wet and hot this summer. I just didn't get it done like I usually do.
2: Yeah, you should have done it in the fall, but that's okay. You didn't get it done, so if you want to go ahead and do it, certainly.
10: All right, thank you so much, Mike. I appreciate yeah. it. Yeah,
2: and when you anybody does any kind of pruning like this on ewes or roses or anything, make the cut at a 45-degree angle. Don't take a hedge pruner out there and just let it buzz saw it. A 45-degree <laughs> cut exposes more of the cambium layer, which will help that cut area
10: heal. Yeah, this would just be a hand pruner, you know, like if I'm going to cut stems off roses or something, you know, just right. a hand pruner. I'm not going to be using a saw, you know, the... You know what I'm saying? The long thing is uh, it goes back and forth, the sickle saw. Right. Uh, I'm not going to be used in that. Yeah,
2: so just, again, cut them at a 45-degree angle, just slightly below where uh, some needles are so you don't it's more or less expose the cut area.
10: All right. Thank you, Mike. I appreciate
2: it. Certainly. My pleasure. And now let's see. Where should we go? Let's go over to Donna's yard. Hi, Donna.
5: Hello. Hi. Thank you for taking my call. Sure. Uh, for several years, I put my hanging baskets I like get for
4: um, birthdays, Mother's Day, et cetera, et cetera, just setting them out behind the garage. I wonder if I can dump that out and you know shake the old plant off and reuse the potting soil.
2: I always do. Okay. And I'm not and saying, I-, I mean, you read certain things, that even potting soil that's new that you've bought and everything else, they say, oh, don't reuse it. But if none of the problem, none of the plants that you're going to, let's say, dump and reuse the potting mix is had any disease problems or anything along that line, I would say you're fine. If there was diseases, then I would say no. But if everything was fine, the plants were really healthy, then reuse it.
4: Okay, thank you. They, yep, they seem to be fine, so Our, I'll just reuse it.
2: Yep, sounds perfect.
4: Thank
2: you. My pleasure. And now let's go over to John. Hi, John.
16: Hi, Mike. You guys do a great job with your program. Thank you for encouraging all the gardening in the St. Louis area.
2: My pleasure.
16: You were commenting earlier that it's getting late towards planting winter bulbs. I assume that's because of the ground freezing and, and it's hard to get into the ground. Is that the main reason?
2: No, the ground is not frozen at all. You can still dig in the ground. No, easy. I
16: mean I mean later, let's say another month or so.
2: Yeah. It could be frozen, or it just, what happens is the ground gets so cold, it won't trigger that bulb to, let's say, send out root systems.
16: Well, let me, let me share an experience that I've followed the last couple of years. I love jonquils, and prices for jonquils drop significantly around the first of the year. Right. And what I found is that you could buy jonquils at a significant discount, 50% off, and when you can get into your ground— you can dig a trench about four inches deep and uh, just lay them in that trench. Uh, over the wintertime, my experience is that the plants, the bulb will, will send up a shoot and grow so you can know exactly where the bulbs are. And, of course, about that same time in March or April, the bulbs are coming up in your yard where you've got them in a jonquil garden, let's say, so you know the, the dimensions of that jonquil garden. And then you can transplant those bulbs into the jonquil garden. They won't flower the first year, right. but in subsequent years, when you put them down six, seven inches or so, they'll perform just like all the other jonquils in your garden. Great. So you can take advantage of about a 50% reduction in price if you buy the jonquils that are offered uh, in the various garden centers in January and so on and follow that kind of a procedure.
2: Well, that's a good idea. you know. But yeah, you're right. You Planting late in the season... The foliage will come up, but you're definitely not going to get any flowering.
16: Right, right. Thanks a lot. And by the way, I have a question for you. Sure. Uh, I, I, I've been gardening for quite some time. I've got a lot of periwinkle, which is very invasive. Uh, I've tried various ways to control it. Uh, I've even – well, I'm, I'm about to take a lawnmower and apply a post-emergent herbicide to it. What, what's your solution?
2: Uh, periwinkle, are you talking about the blue flower in the springtime, the evergreen yes, ground cover? yes. Yeah, I, you know, it's invasive. I don't see how you can get your mower low enough to actually scalp that.
16: Oh, you can. You you can.
2: Really? Yeah. Without just—you t- must have a very flat, no bumps or anything else in your yard, because That's I don't want correct. you to— you, That's correct. And so—
16: uh, Pre emergent or. Work? In other words, I, w- I want to get the herbicide into the plant.
2: Right, so you're opening wounds. But I Correct. don't know how effective the, it, it's going to be actually this time of year. You could go ahead and oh, do no, it. No,
16: no, no. I'm talking about next May or oh, June.
2: Sure. Then that you're fine doing do, do it. Do you then. think that would work? I uh, could, yeah. I mean, you're opening wounds. What, what other
16: solution do you have to control periwinkle?
2: Uh, you're lucky that you're having a good stand of it, but just digging it up and throwing <laughs> I it away. I've got
16: a lot of compost in my yard, and it's in a very sunny location. And anybody want wants periwinkle, uh, I'd be glad for them to come to my home and dig it up and take it away. <laughs>
2: Well, good. I mean, I like periwinkle. That's my favorite ground cover. And that blue flower yeah, in the understand springtime.
16: I have got it. I've got too much of it.
2: Yeah, I understand. So, yeah, that should work.
16: Okay, great. And thanks again for a wonderful, wonderful service that you provide to gardeners in St. Louis.
2: Well, thank you for having me on your show. If it wasn't for you, I wouldn't be here.
16: I understand. So,
2: anyway, thanks a lot. Mike Miller, KMRS Garden Hotline. If you have questions or concerns, 314 436 7900 or 1 800 925 1120.
1: Once again, Mike Miller on KMOX.
2: Yes, just, just realize, folks, that we always think of fertilizing being the answer to plant material, let's say not growing as fast as we like, or this or that, or healthy or whatever. But just realize that fertilizing uh, can do some damage to root systems of plant material. So it can deplete uh, woody plants of hydrocarbon or carbohydrates. So real, you know, I mean, just keep that in mind. Fertilizer is not necessarily the answer of answers for plant material, especially woody plant material. So deep root feeding, that's where your auger holes backfill with compost. You're feeding the soil, then the soil will feed the roots. Fertilizing sometimes can be really problematic. So even using complete fertilizers like triple 12 or things along that line, doing so without a soil test can cause some major imbalances, and it can. What these, you know, let's say complete soil you know, fertilizers can do is they can actually cause some problems in the soil, and that means the plants won't be able to recognize this, uh, other chemicals like magnesium or iron, and that could lead to some problems. So just get a soil test done. This is the time of year to do it, and uh, find out what's going on before you spend any money on just fertilizers. Let's go now to Carol's yard. Hi, Carol. Hello, Hello? Carol. Yeah.
5: Yes. Uh, should a person uh, fertilize their houseplants plants during the winter?
2: Only if they're, let's say, budded or in flower or not at all. So okay. for I like
5: full down, I'm just the ordinary uh, all green. No, you
2: know? don't do it. Wait till the days start getting longer sometime in January. But this time of year, they should be fine. And then even when at that time of year, uh, just do it half label rate. Don't do it a full label rate. So if it says like a teaspoon of fertilizer per gallon of water, whatever it happens to be, only do half that amount. But this time of year, don't do any fertilizing unless they're in flower or headed, or they have flower buds, like orchids, or Christmas cactus, or things along that line.
5: Well, these don't bloom. They're just green all the time. Yeah, so, so I should wait till spring to fertilize. Yeah,
2: wait till the days get longer. Wait until after okay. Valentine's Day.
5: Okay, thank you
2: very much. Certainly, my pleasure. Yeah, I saw there's a lot of amaryllis being for for sale now, amaryllis bulbs. So you can fertilize those because first thing they're going to do when you bring them home, you start watering them, you're going to see a flower stalk shoot up, open up, big, huge trumpet-shaped flowers, depending upon variety, white, red, pink. And then after that, the flower dies, and the foliage will then, you know, elongate. So. That's what happens with that. So they could, anything ready to fertilize or ready to flowers, you want to fertilize. But again, half label rate. Hi, Chris. How are you?
6: Good morning. Thanks so much for your service. I have two questions this morning. How late in the year can you uh, have sod installed?
2: Ooh, I would say, I, you know, if the sod farm offers it, you're, it's still taking a big, big chance. So once the ground starts getting pretty cold, and it's getting cold now, and, you know, on Tuesday it's going to even get colder. And so I would say it may be okay, it may, it may not. I would say I would not be doing it this time of year, this particular year. Certain years it's warmer. Like normally we're supposed to have like, you know, 59 or 60 for the normal high for basically through the most of the month in November. Then you could do it, but with, a, you know, the ground getting cold I would not do it because the root system will not penetrate into the soil. And then if it doesn't penetrate, then we have other, you know, really severe cold snaps and it could just kill it off.
6: Okay. Thank you. Second question relates to hydrangeas. What, if anything, should you do to prepare the hydrangeas for winter?
2: Um, Basically nothing. I mean, if you, if you've got the big huge clusters of flowers, they're brown, and they're causing the stems to bend over. If you want to cut those off because you don't want to look at them, you could do that. But And just regular mulch like you would on any plant material, you know, two to four inches, that's about it.
6: So can you cut the leaves and the flowers then?
2: Uh, I wouldn't cut the stems. I would leave the stems, you know, as they are. But if the stems, if the leaves on the stems are all brown, which the majority of them are, you could do that. But I would still just cut the flowers off this time of year.
12: Okay, thanks so much for your service.
2: Yeah, and then in the springtime when the new growth starts emerging, then you could cut this, you know, the stems to the you know, to the height that you prefer.
10: Okay, thanks again.
2: Sure. Yeah, the sod is just something I'd be you know, if you got the ground prepared and everything else, it would be okay just to lay sod on, you know, sort of dead open bare, bare patches and expect it to be able to root, that's not going to happen. So, Robin, how are you today?
12: Uh, I'm fine. How are you? Very good. Good. I mean, I've got a quick question for you. I, about two years ago, I planted a fire bush, and it's growing. It's it seems like it's growing and, and it's you know well established, but it is not turning red for me. Is that because it's young yet, or do I have the wrong kind, or what?
2: Well, it could be the wrong kind because some of them just don't seem to color up as much as they should. Also, is mm-hmm. it in full sun?
12: It. In Not in full sun. It's, it gets a lot of sun throughout the day, but uh, in, the, in the afternoon, there's a big uh, oak tree that kind of shades it.
2: I would say the oak tree root system plus the shade from the oak tree is preventing it from turning red. So this is probably not the ideal spot for it. There so, are some that you'll see in kind of a shaded area that are brilliant, bright red right now, but for the most part, that's not the ideal situation.
12: Yeah, the oak tree is across the street, so I don't think it's the root system as well. Okay. It does provide a lot of shade. Right. And I I had read somewhere that there are a couple of different types of fire bushes, and some of them get redder than others.
2: Right, there are. But when you look at them, they're all going to have the same botanical name. They don't really—some of them are dwarf, some of them are standard size. The size Mm -hmm. difference is not all that much, but what it is is just— some of the the original cuttings of the plants that they were taken from, that these were grown from, the new ones, uh, just weren't really good ones in the first place.
12: I got you. Okay. Well, thank you very much. Thank you for your service.
2: My pleasure, and thanks for having me on your show. And our final caller of the day is going to be Carol.
12: Hi, Carol.
4: <laughs> Hi. 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 I have a question about Soja. And all I want to know is do people still burn the zoysia to clean it up a little bit?
2: Uh, and when do you do
4: that?
2: Well, you should be doing it, but uh certain areas, I mean in Illinois you can burn lawns, you can have open fires, in Missouri you cannot. So that has a, you know, if you I see your number is 636 so you live yeah. in Missouri so you can't burn.
4: Well, I'm in a rural area. Uh, yeah, rural area. It doesn't matter about burning, but what I want to know is, is it okay for the
2: grass? Uh, it doesn't hurt the grass. Basically, what you're doing is you're just getting rid of thatch. Right.
13: Okay. So, well, and that, is this the time of year
2: to do it? Uh, probably. I would wait until we're coming out of you know out of the winter time before the okay. new growth begins. Before it starts showing any kind of signs of greenness, do it then as opposed to now, because okay. the blades that are going to stay now act as a you know a coating. For the wintertime, and if it gets super cold, those have all been burned off. You could have damage to the crown of the zoysia plants. Okay, thank you. Certainly, my pleasure. Yeah, I mean, some people, you know, do the burning in Illinois, and uh, but I just don't like to burn. I like to have a little bit of protection for the plant material, even if it's tough, well established, and everything else. But uh, even in the rural area, I don't know if you can open burn or not. Maybe you can, but uh, usually I just don't recommend that. So. If you, in your own yard, be able and be sure to take some time, we still probably got another week or so of pretty decent color, so have some time to enjoy that. Whether it's just looking out your yard into your yard, or while you're driving around, and you see some cool, you know, some great-looking trees. Why not pull over and just enjoy them? <laughs> some, like I said during the first hour, some of the, the the one of the sugar maples is dropping its leaves now. One of the three that we have and it's just and totally wild and crazy to watch them just you know, slowly but surely send some down, and then there'll be a huge amount coming down all at once. I don't quite understand. Today it looks like there's a little bit of breeze as we look out onto the Soldier's Memorial, and uh, so that's going to, with the cold temperatures on Tuesday, that may knock off most of all the leaves on all the plant material too. Keep mowing, mowing your cool season lawns, your zoysias, uh, not zoysia. You don't you can mow your zoysia for the final cut of the year, which I did on Wednesday at two inches. But your fescues and bluegrasses, cut them between two and a half to three inches, and leave the blades. You know because that's going to help protect the plant material. Uh, as far as the crowns go on your your cool season lawns too. Don't let that leaf debris build up because you can create some fungus problems. Fungus in the winter is not major damage wise. But it just weakens your lawn, just kind of in general. And then when fungus season comes around next late spring, early summer, then you could have some real damages as as a result of that. Thanks to everybody for having me on your show. I greatly appreciate it. And remember, if you were not there, I would not be here. See you next week.
0: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on What's in Your Podcast queue.